today's show brought to you by the In The Money newsletter. This is the best way to keep up with all the content we've got going on the In The Money Media Network here on YouTube. We have our iTunes podcast arm, and we've also got great written content, lots of great derby content right now over at InTheMoneyPodcast.com. The newsletter, you subscribe, you get it once a week, sometimes twice a week, and that will put everything in order for you so you don't miss any of the best content in the moneypodcast.com slash email and sign up for this free email newsletter and drop a comment on either our Derby or Oaks monster pods. And you will get a chance to win a $200 free bet on the Kentucky Derby. Leave us a comment on either show. Let us know who you think is going to win the Oaks and Derby and also subscribe to the free newsletter. We'll pick a winner at random and we appreciate you very much that link to sign up once again in the moneypodcast.com slash email Hello and welcome to one of the most fun shows of the year. It's our Kentucky Oaks Monster Pod. What a Kentucky Oaks this is. And very excited to be co-hosting it with the man we usually call him the usual co-host of the programs around here from Fox Sports. He's Jonathan Kinchin. JK, what's up? Well, it's about time you realize that I deserve to be on the left side. because. <laughs> And, and that's the right side. The second thing, <laughs> the second thing is, did you did you wear the same shirt every day you recorded? I I the, the, we have been doing this for a while, and I, I mixed up two of them. So I got I got I got some laundry in there. Um, you know, there was some Peloton in between. We didn't want to do anything unhygienic. Um, but uh, talking about shirts, I'm I'm loving you rocking the the, the Saratoga one, and I, and I was thrilled to see you've got some Derby models out there too. You you've been you've been very busy. I mean, like like you don't have enough jobs. You you you've got you know you're a haberdasher now. Yeah, yeah, the, the Derby ones are out and they're rolling. Um, yeah, it's a lot of fun. We got a new Secretariat shirt coming out soon. We got the ties, OldSmokeClothing.com/slash/JK. So you say a new a new secretariat one. I've got we weren't planning this to be a JK commercial, by the way, <laughs> but sometimes things just happen. This, this, this one with the blue and white that I'm holding up here. Yeah, we have a we have a new one. New one. New one. Oh, very cool. We'll have to check that out. But we're here to talk about the Kentucky Oaks, JK. And I don't think I'm exaggerating when saying for the tried and true horse player, this Kentucky Oaks has just as much intrigue, if not more, than the Derby. True or false? Yeah, I mean, look, it's it's kind of sacrilegious to say this, but I think I'm more excited about this race than I am about uh, the Kentucky Derby itself. And the reason being is because it's just such a fun field. You got a horse like Nest, who really jumped off the screen last time. You have the two-year-old champion in Echo Zulu. You've got Kathleen O. And, and then you got a horse that was almost going to run the Kentucky Derby, who ran in the Arkansas Derby in Secret Oath. And by the way, you have the, uh, the other great story, for me at least personally, in Hidden Connection, and almost beating the two-year-old champ last time, bringing black-type thoroughbreds to their consecutive Kentucky Oaks starts. Um, it's it's just – it's a fun, fun race. I'm really looking forward to it. That's not easy to do, make more than one uh, Kentucky Oaks in a row. Great storylines. We've got great guests lined up, and you can check it all out right after this. Today's show also brought to you by In The Money Plus. Hey, we're still doing everything we always did uh, outside the paywall – 
on the In The Money Media Network. But we've also got our plus service. You get some extra content, extra shows. We're going to have extra stuff for Derby Weekend, extra writing. And you also get little digests with the picks from all the shows as part of Plus. 15 bucks a month. This is extremely competitive given that you get our whole Derby package for that money. And then it keeps rolling throughout the year with lots of extra comment, con- content around the summer meets, etc. In the money podcast.com slash plus is the place to go to sign up. Check it out in the money podcast.com slash plus. Very pleased to welcome back to the show popular guest who you've seen him on TV. You're familiar with the work that he does for the buyer speed figure team. You're going to see him on NBC's coverage of this year's Kentucky Derby. Randy Moss, how are things? Hi, Pete. Things are well. How are you? Life is good. Very excited to talk Derby. But this year, I'm just going to go ahead and say it in many ways, maybe even a little bit more excited to talk about the Kentucky Oaks and this salty group of fillies. In general, how does this crop of three-year-old fillies measure up from a speed figure point of view? Because I have to say, just anecdotally, it seems like one of the most competitive and interesting renewals in years. I could not agree more. I've been saying for a couple of weeks now that I'm looking forward to the Kentucky Oaks every bit as much as I'm looking forward to the Kentucky Derby because you've got not only the outstanding two-year-old Philly champion, Echo Zulu, but horses that come into the Oaks, you know, winning key prep races by large margins, right? Like Nest in the Ashland and Kathleen O at the Gulfstream Park Oaks. And then you you mix uh, Wayne Lucas and Secret Oath in there. Those are four top-notch fillies that it's going to be fascinating to uh, to see square off against each other. You're here to chat about Secret Oath. Let's start with the decision to try the boys in the Arkansas Derby. Were you in favor of that decision? Do you think it made sense based on what she'd accomplished figure-wise, form-wise, to that point for them to take that shot a few weeks back? Yes. Yes, I did think it made sense for them to take that shot. And in hindsight, I think it made even more sense for them to take that shot, even though Secret Oath was uh, was a fairly well-beaten third. Uh, look, the, the three-year-old Colts at Oakland Park, for whatever reason, uh, just were not as strong as a whole as certainly the three-year-olds we saw in Louisiana, but even the ones that we, we saw in, in uh, Florida and in, and in California. So I thought it was a perfect opportunity for, uh, for Wayne Lucas to try the boys with secret oath. Um, I don't like the way she ran in the Arkansas Derby. Let's talk about that specifically. Now, are you referring to the trip she got or the, 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 how it sort of falls in her developmental pattern figure wise? More of the latter, uh, you know, look, you're a handicapper. You know that you've got to look for ways to separate horses like this. You can't like all four of these horses going into the Kentucky Oaks, right? You've, you've got to come up with ways. You, you have to be uh, very discriminating. You have to be very harsh in looking on paper and in the flesh at each one of these four and deciding what you like about them, what you don't like about them, and trying to separate them in that way. And look, um, I loved Secret Oath's first three starts at Oakland Park. I thought they were, by numbers and also visually, the most impressive races that I saw any three-year-old filly won all year. Uh, the the allowance race and then and then the honeybee and then, you know, all three races that she ran 
backwards. The Mar- I think the Martha Washington was one of them. But they were all spectacular. And the way the Arkansas Derby came up, Pete, on paper, and then especially in the running of the race, it, it look, I love Oakland Park. I'm an Oakland Park guy. I grew up there. It's my hometown track. It was a bad race. There are, there are some races that are better than the figs indicate, given the way the race was run. There are always some races that are worse than the figs indicate based on the way it was run. And I think the Arkansas Derby falls in uh, to the latter category. Cyberknife has been green. He's had uh, deportment issues throughout his career, as Brad Cox has talked about. He was all over the track in the final quarter mile of the Arkansas Derby. And on a pretty fast racing surface, I've got him going the last quarter in 26.7 seconds. That's crawling especially when you compare uh, Zandon in the bluegrass on a slower racing surface than it was at Oakland for the Arkansas Derby, finishing in 24.5. Uh, the runner-up in the Arkansas Derby was lugging in, staggering the last eighth of a mile, and still went past Secret Oath. Look, I thought Secret Oath was in a beautiful spot to win the Arkansas Derby. Yeah, she had a little bit of an issue at the start that I think is a bit overblown, I think most of that she did to herself by not breaking very sharply and consequently getting losing her spot and getting just a little bit squeezed back. But that was not a bad place for Secret Oath to be because the pace in the Arkansas Derby was exceptionally fast. And when she made that big run around the second turn and roared up into contention, the way they finished that race, that race should have been hers to win. It was set up for her to win. And in my opinion, having to separate these horses, like I say, she was not nearly as sharp in the Arkansas Derby as she was in her three earlier wins. And therefore, I'm going to take a stand against her in the Kentucky Oaks on the basis that I'm, I fear she might be moving in the wrong direction. I'd love to see her win. 86-year-old Wayne Lucas. The Mitchells, the owners, are great stories. They deserve a good horse. This is the kind of feel you can root for. But as far as I'm concerned, uh, especially given the action she's going to take at the windows, she's not the kind of horse I want to bet on. Very well said. I do want to pause just for one minute on on the specifics of the figure from the Arkansas Derby, just to say that I'm no figure maker, but I do know typically when you see races that are run with a fast pace, often those are races that will produce a, a, a strong final time as well. And it looks to me just looking uh, between the the published figure in the Arkansas Derby, talking to some private figure makers, that this was one that had to be like projected upward to get it where it ultimately ended up. I was just trying to think if there was any other excuse or reason why, um, why, why the figure ended up, uh, ended up there. And, and shouldn't they have just, shouldn't they have gone faster on the clock given the way the race was run? Figures, uh, races with with much faster than normal paces can go either way. When you're talking about older, experienced horses, usually very fast-paced races, like you say, wind up in a fast final time. When you're talking younger horses, the two-year-olds in stakes races, like you see at Saratoga, going seven-eighths of a mile, or even three-year-olds, races with exceptionally fast paces, it will often suppress the final speed figure, and the figure will need to be projected up. And we debated long and hard about the Arkansas Derby, because when you look at all the horses that ran in the Arkansas Derby, if you didn't project the figure up at all, virtually every horse in the race would have run significantly slower 
than in their most recent starts. And logic will tell you that that is usually not the case. So we collectively made a decision uh, to boost the figure a little bit and project it up. Uh, we'll see if that was the right decision or not. Uh, but given the way that Cyberknife finished in that race, as I said, 26.7 for the final quarter mile, I'm going to view the Arkansas Derby as clearly the weakest of all the major prep races that we saw. Randy, great stuff. Look forward to seeing you on TV, and we'll bother you again soon. Anytime, Pete. Take care. When I when I saw Echo Zulu on my list of, of horses I was going to do, the first person I wanted to talk to was my man, Frank McGoey. Frank, we I've been texting you about her basically all year because you're down at fairgrounds. And when I was curious, is she working? How does she look? Is she working? Um, and you were always there to answer those questions. Where are you at with her today? You, you know, it's funny. I, I went, uh, I, I'm still a little torn, but, but uh, I'm leaning in the right direction. And, and, you know, uh, first of all, let me thank you for letting me uh, do this riff on Echo Zulu, because uh, this was torturous. As you know, I made a big bet on Hidden Connection last time thinking Echo Zulu was, was probably a work shy of her best effort. And uh, she stuck it in me. So uh, thanks, Jonathan. Uh, but, <laughs> but but that's okay. It's part of the deal. And, uh, so I went back and looked at, uh, at our text. Um, and, you know, she was, she, when she came to the fairgrounds, uh, the beginning of the years, when you would ask me about her, she finally showed up and really hadn't done anything um for a couple of weeks i finally i remember i texted you so i noticed that i had texted you and said she finally two minute licked and that was like right at the end of january and then they started on a real slow and she 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 looked at that point like she was coming off a well-deserved rest off the two-year-old campaign where she had done everything right and um and she had done enough uh up until you know, to, to, you could see that she's obviously extremely talented and she's she's kind of built like a downhill horse, if you know what I mean. Um, you got a chance to see her at Saratoga. Yep. She almost is built like more of a sprinter, in my opinion, than a horse that's going to appreciate a mile and an eighth. Um, and so when I, when I was, was watching her work, I kind of felt the way I felt about Hidden Connection before Hidden Connection ran in the prep before the Louisiana Oaks, that her last, her, her work right before was good, but uh, I wish that work would have been a couple works before because I still think she's going to need one. And that's kind of the way I felt about Echo Zulu. Well, not kind of the way. Definitely the way I felt about Echo Zulu going into the Fairgrounds Oaks is that um, she was nowhere near ready for her best effort. And I'm confident that she will move forward off of that. But with all that being said, I am not confident that she gets any better going another eighth of a mile. Um, I don't think that, uh, well, I, you know, most of what I do, Jonathan, is I'm more visual than anything else. I, I, I'm visual first, and then I usually go back and let the numbers reinforce my opinion or get me off my opinion uh, when I'm handicapping. And uh, watching her last race, she was game. She dug in. She fought, but she did not look like a horse that wanted to go much further. And from the way she's built to me and the, the depth of this Oaks, which is just incredible. I'm looking forward to this race so much. Uh, I just think there are other options, especially considering the price she's going to be. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I don't think she'll be favored. I think 
one of the other Phillies, you know, whether it be Nest or whether it be Kathleen O or, or even even uh, Secret Oath, have a chance of, of, of potentially taking that favoritism away from her. I, I do think that there's an opportunity to try to try to beat her based on just kind of getting the slow start um, to the year. Right. Uh, losing by a, a nasty nose, and I'll say nasty nose because I'm talking to you about it with with hidden connection. Yeah, it just feels like she's the type of horse you could try to to try to maybe take a stand. I don't know you want to take a stand against in multi race bets and things of that nature, but I do think that she's the type of horse that 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 might be a little bit shorter than she might deserve this year, not based well, on what she did last year. I I don't know if it was always the plan to go into the Oaks off of two races. And, and I would never want to offer one race, you know, I would never this year, I would, I would never question Asperson because I think he's probably the best trainer in the country. Um, but I mean, it seems like a big ask, doesn't it? One prep and then, and then going a mile and an eighth. I mean, yeah, because I, I think I think if you you know to look up stats about horses coming in off a of one prep mile and an eighth stakes races, I bet you the numbers are probably somewhere around 18, 20 percent, well, whatever. Right. But I think that this group is what makes it a, a, a heavier lift. A- absolutely. Right? And, and But here's the thing she's got going for her that you know. She's so nimble. She's so quick out of the gate that she's going to make her own trip. Yeah. She's going to put herself in a position out of the gate to, to be where Rosario wants her to be. And then it's going to be up to her. But I, I think it's just going to be a big ask with that long stretch um, for her to go further, especially, you know, considering the family, I mean, the, the mother let go. My echo was, was never did anything, you know, near a mile and an eighth. I just think it's a big ass, but somebody this athletic, it, you know, that's where I'm torn with, you know, somebody this athletic in this, with these connections, would it shock me if they pulled this off? No, but I'm not, I'm going to bet against them pulling it off. Are you uh, well? I got you here. I got to ask. Are you gonna? Are you back with the hidden connection situation, or was like kind of last time the time for you? Where but, Where is well, your soft lean at this point? Well, I know it's really early. Le- yeah, last time. Last time was the time to uh, to go all in. <laughs> you know, at the price she was last time, I was willing to pay to see her lose, and I did. Uh, and I actually, she was actually a bigger price than I thought she would be. I, from what I hear, she's doing good. You know, I don't. I'm sure you noticed um, in the Louisiana Oaks, hidden connection really galloped out well and had been galloping out well in her works before that with Kapuna when she was working before the, the Louisiana Oaks. Kapuna usually would beat her a little bit at the wire, but it was no contest on the, on the gallop out. So I, I'm not, I'm not, a hidden connection is definitely in the mix for me. Uh, and especially over a track that she's had success over, you know? Um, and, and the race against the race, the British Cup race, everything went wrong hidden connection you can draw a line through that race she was never in a good position from when the gate opened and and she's a better filly than she was and i think she's probably on talent level not that far off of echo zulu but maybe as the races go further goes past echo zulu but with all that being said i still think it's going to be a big and i still i still have some work to do with this division because i haven't dove into a lot of the horses but uh, I mean, the visually, obviously, the race that impressed me most of what I've seen recently is was Nest. I mean, that was you talk about a filly that looks like she's she everything points to I want to run a mile and an eighth on Oaks Day, and and that was the performance. Um, you know, I mean, you've, I'm sure you 
pick out a couple of your crazy shirts and put them away for special days like Travis days or, or Alabama days, right? Yeah. I, I, I got to think Pletcher's got picking out a nice tie for Oaks Day. What do you think? Yeah, I, I would think there's a good chance that's that's happening. Yeah. Um, so just visually, like I said, and that's that's usually where my um, usually start visually and then work to see if the numbers confirm it, confirm it or lead me in another direction. Nesta's going to take a lot of beating because she sure looked like she finished with one more in the tank. Yeah, she did. Frank, I, I appreciate it. Thanks so much for your help, as always. And uh, hopefully I'll, I'll see you next week. Are you going to be there? I won't be there this year. I will be there going forward after that. Patrick's okay. uh, daughter's graduating college, and so uh, we're not making a trip this year. All right. Well, I'll see you soon. All right, brother. Take care. Take care. Naomi, looks like you are in the middle of the second worst thing that can happen to someone, which is moving. The first <laughs> is the first worst thing is like helping someone else move because it's like that's not what's oh. the reward there. But uh, oh. it, it, I've, I've heard you're in the middle of a move. Yeah, we, we just moved yesterday. And actually, you know, being nice to our friends, we hired people to help us move. What, oh, what a disaster. This is terrible. I do not ever want to move ever again. This is no fun. And we're up the third floor as well. Fun fact, we had to leave our couches behind in storage because they didn't fit through the hallway. So I, <laughs> I just don't want to... A lot of boxes to unpack, a lot of stress there. Uh, this is a good distraction. Good, good. Well, we'll talk a little bit about the Kentucky Oaks. Um, obviously, uh, we we know the, the the kind of the big name horses, and obviously Kathleen O, who was was in was in front of the horse. We'll talk about Goddess of Fire. I'll start with the very simple question: Is you know she's run well, and she's run second three times in a row, and, and nice races, and it's good horses. Do you think the second thing is becoming a little bit of a problem? I it's not helping her chances that's for sure you don't know definitely with racehorses in general but especially with fillies if they keep getting beat late that is not going to make them feel confident in their own abilities look goddess of fire keeps trying but unfortunately it feels like she's getting her heart broken every single time because that Rachel Alexander race two starts back where she got bested belatedly by Turner Loose now that was only half a length and then you have next time out she's done everything right Kathleen O comes up you know like unbeaten filly monster run and Goddess of Fire gets bested again so I, I am worried about that I like the way Goddess of Fire is progressing but I really don't think all those seconds are doing her any favors mentally. Yeah, one of the things I'll say is that I, I do like the fact that she's run well at three different racetracks, which I think is is something that when you're you know when you're going into the Kentucky Oaks and, and you're one of the questions you always ask with most of these horses in the Derby as well is you know are they going to like Churchill? Are they going to like the distance? And obviously with the Phillies, they'll run a mile and an eight prior to, to the Kentucky Oaks, do, do you get a little bit more comfort out of the fact that she kind of doesn't really need to take a racetrack? She kind of shows up and runs wherever she goes. Yeah, that's a massive advantage. Uh, it, a good tick for her because like you said, she does run her race no matter where she is. She has shown that profession. And like I said, the progression is there. And irrespective of the racetrack, she's going to sit behind him. She takes a bit of time to get going. You can see sometimes Louis Saga says, niggling her a little bit go hey let's let's get a position here Let, let's get into the swing of things and she always starts picking it up she always answers him she always comes into the bridle and then comes with a run she seems to grab every single racetrack surface quite nicely so that's a huge tick in her favor and i'd say that you're talking about the distance wise as well she's going to stretch out to the mile and a she's run the mile in 16 a couple of times now 
I do think it's going to help her because this is a phrase that I like to hear. She does her best running late. She definitely gets the engines going in that final quarter of the race. So I think going to the mile and eighth is going to help her. And like you said, she seems to go over any certain dirt surface. So that's all really, really positive. I'm just afraid that in a way she isn't helping herself with her running style because there's a couple of more stronger closers than her. And Goddess of Fire comes with, she gets the jump on the closers, but then she isn't able to hold them off. So I, I do need to see that further development from her. But of course, uh, Todd Fletcher trains. He's won, he's won the Oaks a couple of times uh, before. I think he's won it third, three times, 2013, 20, 2007, 2004. Of course, Rags to Riches, 2007 went on uh, to go and win the Belmont against the boys as well. So she has the right connections in her corner. And I do love Louis size on her because he's the type of rider that can really lift a horse up late. So ultimately, I, I was going to say that having Todd in your corner is, is definitely not a negative. And Louie as well, with a horse that mm-hmm. kind of needs to be encouraged throughout the race, Who what better rider than, than, than Louie. Ultimately, do you think that she has what it takes? Or do you project that she can be the type of horse that can continue to improve and kind of best some of the top threes, the Kathleenos, the, 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 you know, the Secretos, the, the um, Echo Zulus? Do you feel like she's one of those type? Or do you think she's going to probably uh be standing next uh to the winner once again in second i'm really afraid that even with her progression you might have some of those on the other incredibly strong fillies that continue to progress as well and that we see goddess of fire running second again here this sounds terrible i really would love for her to win but it it is it is a a tall task for her i think all right well we will let you get back to moving which sounds like uh, a poke Fine. in the eye. <laughs> really happy to have on next a guy. We bring him on all the time to talk about industry issues. We don't often get to talk to him about, you know, the specifics of form and figures and things like that. He knows his international form very well, which is one of the reasons we thought of him to talk about this very interesting shipper from Dubai. In many ways, the wild card of this year's loaded Kentucky Oaks. I'm speaking, of course, from the Thoroughbred Idea Foundation about Pat Cummings. How are you? Hello, Peter. Good to be with you again. Happy Cummings to talk. From the Cummings Estate. The Cummings Estate is getting a lot of time on the In the Money Airwaves these last couple of weeks. It has indeed, and uh, it was great to have you here. Shahama, well, thank you for your, your fantastic hosting. Those pancakes were, were, were off the charts. I know you had little to do with it. <laughs> Correct. <laughs> Let's talk Shahama, my friend. This is a horse that uh, I had somebody who watches Dubai regularly reach out to me a couple months ago and say, hey, don't sleep on this one for the Kentucky Oaks. And, you know, in a normal year, I think I might have been all ears. Uh, Given how salty the field is, I'm not sure what to think. And that's why I throw it to you. How good is this Philly? What do we need to know about? Yeah, so I I followed this circuit for, you know, the best part of of a decade. Um, Granted, it was a couple of years ago, Pete. But throughout those years, every now and then, you get a horse that looks like this that comes out. Now, typically, it's a horse that ends up going onto the Kentucky Derby trail and not necessarily the Oaks. But the question is well worth asking. Here is a filly who's four from four. She's a half sister to looking at Lucky, a Preakness winner, a stallion. Uh, Purchased out of Florida, right? OBS last year, $425,000. And is now going from the fairly uh, prolific barn of Fousey Nass the affable Bahraini trainer who has a, a yard basically in Bahrain and in Dubai during the season to, to Todd Pletcher. 
it, it's it's a unique move. Um, the only one I would compare it to in recent memory is Raya, who won the Oaks and then ran in the UAE Derby, finishing second back in 2018. Uh, she ended up going to the Kentucky Oaks under Bob Baffert's care. She finished 13th of 14 that day. You could argue her form wasn't as good. She doesn't have all ones down the line. She ran 13th at just shy of 10 to 1. So I think it gives you a little bit of perspective on where, what a, a Shahama-like character could attract. I don't think she necessarily will, as you said, given this field. It, it is going to be interesting to see how they bet. But I could also see her becoming a bit of a talking horse during the week, assuming that uh, she looks as good on the track in the mornings as uh, her pedigree suggests she might. And because people, they, as you point out, they love all the ones by the name. So this is one I'm really yeah. curious to see how she gets over the Churchill service. Obviously, when we surface, I should say, when we get to the, to our Oaks and Derby final answer shows, we'll be able to talk about that more specifically. But uh, reading between the lines, I don't feel like you're giving her too much of a shot. Yeah, I'm not, Pete. Um, in her favor, she's had um, she's basically uh, accomplished all of these wins, doing it slightly differently, being forwardly placed in her maiden win, and then kind of seemingly backing up thereafter she, she she has gotten progressively farther behind in all of her races i she also broke slowest in her win in the uae oaks prior to kind of having this little break to be transported then to the u.s she arrived i believe in late march she's had a, a couple works at palm beach downs for pletcher uh the thing that concerns me most is the quality of the competition she has faced and that's sort of the you know undeniable not a single horse she has faced in any of her four starts has won a race since. <laughs> the, the fillies that she has faced are combined 0 for 28. And I'm fairly certain in saying that there's only one filly she faced that had ever actually even won a race prior to facing Shahama. So in the, the grand landscape, yes, she's unbeaten. The pedigree is there. Uh, she's going to a, a very accomplished trainer. Um, and, and she's coming from an accomplished trainer, uh, for that matter, in Fousey Nass. Uh, the name might not ring a bell with many, but, but he's certainly been very successful in that circuit for, for quite a long time. She's coming back home to the U.S., right, where, where she was raised. And uh, I think there's, there's plenty there on paper, but when you dig a little deeper beyond the surface, I think the quality of the competition's weak. She's going to have to overcome a lot, not, not having raced, essentially, in the best part of two and a half months. It's a really tall task in what I think is a really competitive field. And that's why I am more bearish on Shahama than otherwise. Makes sense. I mean, and as you described the form of the opposition, I had a very unkind thought reminded me of Peter McNeely before the Tyson comeback fight. Uh, when you combine the record of previous opponents, it wasn't pretty. Yeah, but you know, it's great and exciting to see these sorts of horses take a chance and on their day, you just never know what's going to happen. And so for the international nature of the race, um, I've always been a fan of that angle. And so it's, it's kind of fun to follow these types. But I'm not quite sure it's going to yield success on the, the, uh, on the big Oaks, Oaks Day. A fun story to follow for sure. International storylines at both the Oaks and Derby this year. Pat, thank you for coming on and sharing your knowledge. We'll have you back on soon. Thanks, Pete. 
Next up on the show, very popular horse player and writer. You know him from his work at the Daily Racing Forum. You might even know the book that he wrote a little while back, Handicapping 101, which I would call a modern classic in the genre from Daily Racing Forum. He's Brad Free. Brad, what's up? Hey, everything's good, Peter. How are you? Things are good. Really excited to be diving into these fillies for the Oaks this year. What a group it is. One who's flying a little bit under the radar, but clearly deserves some consideration based on the historical performance of the Santa Anita Oaks as a Kentucky Oaks prep is Desert Dawn, who you're here to talk about. When did you first become aware of this filly? Well, I became aware of her last fall. I actually chased her a couple of times, Pete. She's a, a come-from-behind filly. She needs some pace um, up front. I actually thought she had a chance to maybe hit the board in the Breeders' Cup, won by Echo Zulu. She didn't fire at all that day, Desert Dawn. I, I kind of thought she maybe could rebound against easier company in the grade one starlet at, at Los Alamitos. That didn't work out very well. Filled the motto, put her on the shelf, and brought her back. I've been following her for a long time, and I, I liked her as an upset candidate in the Santa Anita Oaks a week and a half ago. Um, I, I made one of the worst wagering blunders of my career, and I, I want to just talk about it briefly Please. in the hopes that maybe some of your viewers will avoid making the same stupid mistake that I did. The Santa Anita Oaks was a layup for Adair Manor. I, I mean, I didn't see any way that Adair Manor could possibly lose the Santa Anita Oaks. But I was shopping around for a price. And after talking to Desert Dawn's trainer, Phil D'Amato, who also trained Ain't Easy, he suggested that Desert Dawn had taken a huge step forward from her kind of disappointing comeback race. She also worked in company with Ain't Easy. I thought that Desert Dawn was going better than Ain't Easy in that workout. So... Bottom line is this. I didn't think anybody could possibly defeat Adair Manor, but I thought that Desert Dawn was the type of filly who could come along and either finish second or even third. That would be just fine with me because I conceded the race to, to Adair Manor. Well, we all saw what happened. Adair Manor got softened up by Ain't Easy. Desert Dawn got the all-time perfect trip, and she was able to upset Adair Manor. Now, I'm not saying that I liked Adair, uh, Desert Dawn to defeat Adair Manor. But here's the thing. The $1 exacta from Desert Dawn to Adair Manor paid $42.70, and I didn't have it a single time. So I loved the long shot, thought she had a chance to outrun her odds as the longest shot in the field, and I ended up walking away with a big fat goose egg. So it was a horrible wager mistake. I could have at least had a dollar the other way. I was... I had it pretty heavy at Deer Manor on top of a Desert Dawn, but I didn't have a penny going the other way. So it was a stupid mistake. I could have got my money back at least. It didn't happen. If you like a long shot, make sure you have a couple bucks on the Philly or Colt or whatever to win. And that's something that I did not do. I think you bring up a great approach to the idea of insurance in horse racing. I think too many people, when they're thinking about insurance, they're thinking about a way to potentially lock in a profit or something that gets very tricky because it gets very expensive very fast. If you're alive to two horses at the end of a pick, it's not going to be practical to bet eight other horses to try to lock in a profit. You should, uh, you know, as JK and I say, in that situation, grab your knees and, and, and hope for the best. However, when you like 
one price with a favorite and you have a situation where you can get some insurance where you're betting a little to win a lot. I mean, isn't that the difference between, you know, what you're saying here and the generic horse player uh, coulda, shoulda, woulda type stuff? Yeah, no doubt about it. Look, if you like a long shot, if there's a reason that you believe that horse will outrun his or her price, which is exactly what I thought with Desert Dawn, you are required to put a couple of dollars on the horse to win and save in the exact. If you, I mean, I loved Adair Manor. I didn't think she could lose, but really, a one dollar exactive the other way, it paid forty-two dollars and seventy cents. So I have nobody but myself to blame, and hopefully. Viewers out there will not make the same ridiculous mistake that I did. You'd think that after doing this, as long as we have, Pete, that we would learn our lessons and not make the same mistake. But I did. I screwed up a week and a half ago, and it cost me dearly with a $42.70 exacta that I should have had. I also like your point that you're not necessarily looking to score out if it comes the other way, right. but the idea of get, get your stake back, live to fight another day. Like they, I don't think people think about it in those terms. You could spend a tiny percentage of your wager at least to get it back if you're half right. And I think that's something horse players don't think enough about. And I think it's very important heading into Oaks and Derby season, especially because we have a lot of people watching these monster pods who aren't necessarily experienced horse players. And these are, these are ideas to have in your head. We're not saying always box. We're not saying no. always hedge. But when you can do it in a smart way where you can bet a little to win a lot, it makes all the sense of the world. And, and it's a good opportunity to underline that lesson to everybody out there in the audience. But what of Desert Dawn going forward, Brad? You said you noted the big step up for the Santanita Oaks. I mean, the numbers I'm looking at, she's going to have to step up yet again to make an impact in a salty Kentucky Oaks. Yeah. What do you think her chances are of doing that? I, I think she's up against it, to be honest. I mean, this is one of the strongest additions of the Kentucky Oaks that we've seen. We have two undefeated Phillies, Kathleen O and Echo Zulu. Nest was super impressive in the Ashland. I will not be at all surprised if she goes off as the favorite. Secret Oath, of course, is very fast. She ran better than looked in the Arkansas Derby against Colts. So we're talking about some very, very good and, and a dare manner. She can certainly bounce back. The Sanity Oaks was her first start in two months, so she could improve off that race. Here's the thing about Desert Dawn. If you look at her buyer speed figures, she's moving forward every single time. She jumped up six points, nine points, eight points. Every recent start has been better than the start before, but she's still not, I don't think, I don't think she's still quite fast enough. And she also benefited from the all-time greatest trip in the Santa Anita Oaks, sitting third by herself behind two dueling leaders, those being Ain't Easy and Adair Manor. She was good enough to take advantage of the perfect trip. Circumstances were ideal. She needs to continue to improve, but who's to say she won't? I'm not going to pick her in my top four. I'll, I'll be surprised if I do. We still, still are two weeks out and I could change my mind. But this is a different scenario against a different caliber of Philly than the small field that she defeated in the San Anita Oaks. Only five runners, perfect trip, ordinary final time, ordinary buyer speed figure of 87, one of the lower rated San Anita Oaks in recent history. The San Anita Oaks has produced a number of Kentucky Oaks winners. But an 87 buyer is not going to get it done. Now, look, maybe she'll jump up again another six, seven points. If she continues that pattern, now you're looking at a Philly that can do somewhere in the mid-90s, which puts her in the same league with some of the favorites. 
She needs to continue to improve. I think she's being asked a tall order, and I don't begrudge the, the connections for taking a shot. You win the Santa Anita Oaks, your next start should be in the Kentucky Oaks. But she's not fast enough yet. Maybe she will be on the first Friday in May. Great stuff, Brad. Folks can look to a lot more from you and a lot of great coverage, of course, of the Oaks and Derby in the pages of Daily Racing Forum over at DRF.com. And it's always a pleasure having you on the show. We'll do it again soon. Sounds good, Pete. Talk to you guys later. I, I have to be honest. The thing I'm most impressed about is that you're at the airport early enough to do this. I do not get to the airport until the last second. Well, honestly, I made my mom take me to the airport. So it was on the way to drop off the other daughter. So I, I was like, you know what? I better get here early. That way I have time to do this. Not That's that awesome. I want to be here. <laughs> yeah, I, 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 uh, I can see. You are <laughs> heading to Arkansas. I am. I am looking forward to it. Apple Blossom, um, as well as the Oakland Handicap on Saturday. There you go. Well, I wanted to, to catch you a little bit before uh, to talk a little bit about a filly that you've um, probably seen almost every time she's run. Okay. Maybe a couple times you were... Uh, you, you missed her, but uh, Vinti Valentine, um, she won the Busher. She got second in the Gazelle. How do you think she stacks up in this year's Kentucky Oaks? She's probably a notch below, honestly, you know, the, the top contenders. Um, but she is venerable enough because she's that overachieving New York friend. And of course, I think this time of year, we can't help but get a little biased as far as the uh, the coasts that we're on and, and where these horses have prepared because, you know, we kind of form that bond with them when we get to see them live and in person frequently. And and that's kind of what we in New York have, have done with Venti Valentine. And she, I thought, ran well enough in the, um, in the Gazelle. Maybe she was with the track a little bit. I do think it was somewhat tough to make up ground uh, throughout that weekend on World Memorial weekend. But yes, she might not be your tried and true two-turn type, as my earphones just fell out. Um, <laughs> but she is. She might be that one-turn type, and we'll see how the, um, the track at uh, Churchill plays to her. Uh, at least she has the tactical speed to be bare be very present um and i think that's always important at churchill in these types of races because I, I don't know if i necessarily love horses that are going to have to come from way out of it in in the oaks yeah it's always a little bit better i think when you when you're a little closer and and unlike some of the other preps she has had a chance to go the mile in an eighth and mm -hmm. and it, it's hard i don't know what to make of that race because the pace wasn't particularly fast and then she got kind of loose on the front and like you said she was kind of with the track and so you almost want to downgrade her, even though she was second in a nine furlong race. Um, when you mentioned that you're not sure about her distance desires, is that from what you've seen from her on paper, or is that more of a physicality thing? A little bit of both. Obviously, you know me, I'm more for the physical thing. And not that she she's compromised in any way, shape, or form. She's just built a little bit more like that miler type to be honest jk i mean she just doesn't have that long rangey frame to her that many horses do and yes her her form would say the same thing to you because her two turn races just aren't quite as good as her one turn races so feet to the fire is she a win possibility a use defensively underneath or maybe next time she's an underneath because she shows up i mean 
there's not a race where this filly has never shown up because she she shows up. I just don't think she's quite as good as your top horses that you have in there. Um, I love her. I'm going to be excited to see see her beat up on. Uh, I think they'll stay with the open company route probably this year, but it'll be fun to have her around like they did with her sister. It's kind of cool, you know, her sister, Espresso Shot, same connections, you know, same ownership group, same trainer. Uh, so it's really cool that they have her sister trying to emulate what Espresso Shot couldn't quite get done. So I'll be rooting, yes, but as far as wagering, use underneath. And as far as the coffee references you've made, there's no worse place in the world than a coffee place in the morning at the airport. No, that's why I have my coffee at home. And plus, I, you have to pee too much. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> have a safe flight. We'll see you soon. Oh, thanks, JK. Next up on the show, very happy to have with me the editor of In The Money Plus, longtime contributor to the website as well, Tyler Wisman, excellent horse player. How are you, my friend? Doing well. Good morning, Pete. So I brought you in to talk about Candy Raid, not least because Turfway Park is your home track. What can you tell us about this runner? This horse is uh, one of those horses that I think is a, is a little bit difficult, even if you were to go back after the race was finished. Um, <laughs> you know, I, I will say the horse is, is clearly going to be a long shot, right? And if you are looking to use the horse, probably fast forward to the next segment. I definitely want to talk one off of using a to one long shot. Uh, that said, if you are looking for me to provide reasons to include, uh, you could probably also skip ahead because I'm not going to provide much. It's going to help there. I mean, even if they were to have a, a super high 10 in this thing, I probably wouldn't use this horse. So it, it, it's a difficult horse to have. Well, let me, so. I'll, I'll, I'll just make a couple of little things and you can react to them. Now, the, the reality is we're probably dealing with a horse who stepped up mightily for a combination of reasons, some of which being blind luck, but certainly the synthetic um, seemed to help quite a bit. And the other thing that I liked about her last run was the fact that she put in that closing kick. I expected to look and see fractions, race flow that suggested a total race collapse. That wasn't really the case. And I like the closing kick. Now back on dirt against this company. I think every comment you made is, is, is probably correct. And the race was just so out of nowhere, a 50 to one winner. I mean, that's uh, that tells you a lot of what you need to know. But I mean, like you said, there's no equity in talking somebody off a horse with finish in a race where with so many major horses, the pace could heat up. I would have no problem with somebody saying third and fourth, fourth and fifth for, for, for bets like that. I mean, do you think even that's uh, too high of a ceiling? For me, not really. Um, and, and again, I, I, I feel like when you're assigned a single horse, you kind of always want to hedge a little bit and just in case something wild were to happen. But in the Bourbonette, I think there were three things that really needed to happen for this horse to win. And the first is the horse had to take to, to the synthetic surface based on the pedigree. You know, that was probably the easiest of three things that, that have to happen. The, the second was that she really needed a, a pace meltdown. And to your point, you know, was that really fast? I don't I don't really know, but I will say that, you know, if you look at where the first and second place finishers were early in the race, they were, you know, last and second last. So, you know, perhaps she did get the, the setup that she needed that day. And then the third is that she had to run a, a lifetime top and she did considerably, regardless of which figures you you look at. You know, she did run a lifetime best. You know, I, I think when we look at the trainer, Keith DeSormo, he's one of those trainers that like you, you kind of never want to get beat by because 
he just kind of has that sneaky feel to him. But when you dive in and look at some of the numbers, I mean, it, it really isn't a high clip at which he hits at. So although we all probably feel that and, you know, certainly Texas red exaggerator in the early days and, and whatnot, I think there are two things that combine to that to, to make that feeling. The first is the style with which his horses usually run, which is they drop back. They typically make one run. And so when races collapse, they can blow up the tote board like this one did at, at Turfway. And then the second is, you know, again, just based on that, the sneakiness of the DeSormo family, you just kind of never want to get beat by those guys type of thing. Uh, but I think, you know, again, if, is she going to get the similar setup in this, this race, um, this race being the Oaks? And the answer is, probably and, and perhaps maybe the problem is there are other horses with a lot better finish in my opinion and so I, I think that you know while she might get the setup that she needs and I'm, I'm not going to question distance she's back on a surface that she really hasn't shown a whole lot of affinity for in the past and again she's going to have horses that are not going to stop in front of her as, as well as horses that are going to outkick her in the end so it's just a difficult one for me to to make a case for unfortunately. I hear you. And as much as I've made the positive case, the reality is 106 on the time form scale. That's around an 86 buyer. You know, that, that I don't think that's going to get you top three uh, in this race. And that's assuming all goes well and that effort can be reproduced. Well, while we have you, I wouldn't mind you giving a little bit of an overview of what we have uh, in store for folks who are in the Money Plus subscribers for this year's Derby and Oaks. Obviously, tons of info for free on the YouTube channel at InTheMoneyPodcast.com. But for those looking for more, we've got a little bit of that, too. Absolutely. So this is the second Derby that we've had um, in the Money Plus going going live, if you will. And, you know, the lineup will be even even better than last year in, in terms of the amount of content and then who we have joining. So, you know, we'll have the, the typical picks grid that we provided, a couple of exclusive podcasts, We'll have um, I'll have a wagering strategy where I cover a cu couple of different budgets. So 250, 500 and a thousand dollars that will cover the two days. We're having Frank Scatoni join, you know, those people that are familiar with West Coast racing. Um, hopefully he'll be able to provide a, a pick for matrix that it's always so popular out there. A couple of other, you know, separate write ups as well. So just a, a ton of content that's exclusive to ITM plus subscribers. You know, I will say, too, that we have have launched this it's been very successful and unlike other services again not to, to point out any names we don't change the price for derby but we do up our game in terms of the amount of content and so i think if you're looking for value there's really no better value in terms of in the money plus so for 15 bucks a month or 150 dollars per year you can get all of our derby stuff and again depending on when you're watching this you probably get a couple more weekends or a couple more days of, of keeneland as well great stuff in the money podcast dot com slash plus the place to check that out tyler thank you so much for your time today thank you pete fellas the the the, the we get another party bus to the kentucky oaks good work thanks dude should be fun it, it should be it should be um it's it's pretty special to get to the kentucky oaks once um, but you guys are going to do it in back-to-back -back years. Obviously, Jake Ballas, Reagan Swinbank, Reagan, one of the partners in Black Type, was involved, heavily involved. Since 2009, we like to remind people, right? We purchased them in 2008, <laughs> and then the ride was 2009. Joining the dance, obviously, they're one of their first runners and, and made a, a Kentucky Derby. You guys, you guys have a, a little bit of, of good luck, either that or you're just good, one of the two. I would like to think it's a combination of the of, of the two, but we've definitely been very lucky, especially the last couple of years. 
Well, um, look, I think we'd be we we'd be remiss if we didn't mention the the possibility of of another black type runner on the undercard before we get to the big Philly hidden connection. Wish you well, who debuted uh, at Gulfstream is is pointing hopefully, fingers crossed, to to uh, Oaks Day. It could be a big big day for the group. Yeah, we're we're looking at the allowance race uh, on the undercard going six and a half. And her debut was uh, it was really nice. We we had high high expectations of her. Uh, she did not let us down that day, and uh, we have very very uh, big plans for her for the rest of this uh, rest of this year. Well, we are going to talk a little Kentucky Oaks. I'll, I'll start with you, Reagan. Back to back Oaks for you. Uh, you seem a little excited, a little nervous. Where are you at with Hidden Connection this part at this time of the year so far? Yeah, thanks uh, for having me on. First of all, I think I have the honor of being the least knowledgeable horseman to ever be on the In the Money Network. So thank you to you and Pete. I will take that badge, wear it proudly. But no, you know, the uh, ability to partner with Jake Ballas and Black Type Thoroughbreds has allowed guys like me and our partners access to the highest levels of uh, horse racing. And Hidden Connection has been a fun story. Jake and Maddie uh, saw her at Colonial Downs uh, last year and said, I sent me the video and said, what do you think? And Jake was able to make the deal and uh, we raised some money and um, it's been a great ride. You know, she won the grade three Pocahontas at Churchill. That was really fun. Very exciting. When you're in the Breeders' Cup, uh, we go to San Diego, didn't get a good trip there, but still had an unbelievable time. Hard to not have fun at Del Mar. Uh, And then, uh, you know, some good uh, prep races at the fairgrounds. And here we are with enough points for the Oaks, as, as we've t- talked about our second year in a row. So for a, you know, a shareholder in black tight to have the ability to go to the Oaks is unbelievable. Uh, we are excited. We are nervous. The one thing that I take as a non knowledgeable horseman is hidden connection runs hard and whatever trip she gets, uh, she, she's a worker. And so, uh, we understand the field is as strong as it's been in a long time. And we're excited to have a chance and we think hidden connection, uh, is going to run hard and, Excited to see what happens. Jake, you know, obviously we talk a lot about racing even off the airways, and, and you can't really argue with the idea that Echo Zulu is going to be one of the favorites in the race. Likely, I don't think she'll be the favorite, but she'll be one of the, obviously, the choices. You've got to have a little bit of confidence knowing that, that, that you were beat a nasty nose to a horse that's going to take a, a bunch of money in the Oaks. Yeah, sure. I mean, we, uh, we knew going into the – to the Rachel Alexandra that we were not training like we were as a two-year-old. The work before the Rachel was very good. So our confidence, we thought we'd run a good race. We ran fourth, good, bad, indifferent. Um, but then leading up to the Fairgrounds Oaks, we were training back like we used, we did as a two-year-old going into the uh, you know Pocahontas and Breeders' Cup. So we had a lot of confidence that Echo Zulu wasn't going to be 100%, and we thought that was the right time uh, to take advantage of that, uh, which we just missed by a nose, which is the second year in a row in a derby prep that our horses have got beat at the wire. We got beat at the wire to Malathot, and then we get beat at the – who was a three-year-old champion. We got beat at the wire against the two-year-old champion. Uh, I'm hoping we can turn the tables in the Oaks, but uh, like Reagan said, I don't think from top to bottom, I don't think you can find a Kentucky Oaks with this much depth within the last 20 or 30 years. Uh, so we have our work cut out. We're not going into the race thinking, hey, we're going to be five to one. Uh, but I do think 
we have as good a shot to win as Echo Zulu, Kathleen O, and uh, and Secret Oath. Uh, we're gonna we should get a good setup for her. We can sit right off the pace. Uh, so we do have a lot of confidence that uh, we're going to run a big race, and just we just hope it's good enough. And if it's not, we'll move on. Um, and obviously, the, the the fact that she's getting back to Churchill Downs, the, the scene of uh, of the crime, right? Her her best performance, I would argue, in her career. Uh, obviously, that gives you a little bit of confidence. What about the nine furlongs? Are you excited about that extra half furlong, that extra sixteenth of a mile, or is it something that you have questions about? I don't have questions about the distance with her. I mean, she's bred to go that far the way, uh, you know, people, and I'm not one of them. I, I don't, I don't really pay attention to gallop outs that strongly. A lot of times horses cross the wire, the jockeys, you know, pull them up a little bit and other horse keeps going. Oh, he galloped out big. It could be very, very deceiving, uh, but she did gallop out huge. She didn't stop, but pedigree wise, she should relish the nine furlongs. And I'm, I'm like what Reagan said in the breeders cup, she didn't get a good trip. She broke to her face and got in between orders. It wasn't her race. Um, I'm, I'm looking forward to having a, a good trip, hopefully, and she can sit right off the speed. And I don't think the, the nine furlongs will be any distance. Uh, I know for a filly like Nest, she's bred all day to run nine furlongs. That's only going to help her. Uh, th that's the filly, in my opinion, that I'm the most scared about uh, coming into this race. Fletcher's won the Oaks four or five different times. Um, and I, th I think Ness, to me, is is going to be the horse to beat. Uh, and, but I, I, I'm, I'm very excited about to, to see how, how she'll handle the nine furlongs. All right, two more questions. Reagan, you got, you got your outfit picked out yet for, for the Oaks or what? Yeah, uh, I do. It's going to be a pink shirt. Uh, Jake's going to try to make me wear a tie. I'm going to probably not wear a tie. No tie. <laughs> yeah, no, no tie. Uh, and, yeah, I think we're ready. Now, my wife on – the other hand, there's been lots of lots of dress links sent to me, and I just say they all look look perfect. So, <laughs> the right answer. My outfit is done. Good, good. And then, I, I, importantly, I, I guess if you want to run in the 2023 Kentucky Oaks, Jake, how can people find you and, and get more information? Uh, go to find me on Twitter. Go to our website, blacktypetb.com. Uh, hell, find Reagan on Twitter. Go send Reagan a message. <laughs> He's the, he's the best salesman I know. Yeah, hey. Still he starts talking about those Aggies. Yeah, and Astros, which was a tough loss last night. So, I heard yes. him had a pretty good recruiting class. Oh, yeah, the, only the best, baby. Yeah. See that? See that right there? Yeah. We're going to win them all this year. All right, guys. I love you guys. I can't wait to see you in a couple weeks. Thanks, JK. Love Thanks, you too, buddy. JK. Super happy now to bring in a guest who put in a star turn hosting our – Christmas quiz show back in December. We got to do another one of those at some point. Uh, you know them from their work at blinkers-off.com and also a new member of uh, the news team on the news desk at Horse Racing Nation. Rowan Ward, welcome back to the In the Money Airway. Hello, I'm glad to be back. And yes, I would love to do another trivia day at some point soon. That was a lot of fun. Yeah, it was a good show. It was a good show. And my, my team came through in the end. It took a while. I was, I was real nervous for a while, but uh, <laughs> it, uh, it, it panned out. Okay. And I went, I don't always go back and listen to all the shows. I'm not one of those broadcasters, but that one, that one, I had so much fun. I, I kept saying, you gotta, you gotta hear this and showing it to people. And, and everyone uh, said you did a fantastic job. So we'll, we'll get that going again at some point. Yeah. I shared that one with actually some of my trivia friends as well as some of my horse racing friends. And it had, appeal in broad circles so that was good 
the trivia people didn't think it was like in Greek? Well, the trivia people knew that it was difficult, but they learned some things and they were also like, good. I'm glad you asked those questions to horse racing people and not us. <laughs> <laughs> they were spared. They were spared. You are here today, though, to talk about this year's Kentucky Oaks, specifically Adair Matter, a runner who may or may not compete in the Kentucky Oaks, not uh, needs to be supplemented for the race. But uh, last I heard, I was hearing they were they were thinking about going. What are you hearing? Let's start with the very basic. Uh, are we going to get to see this Philly run uh, on Oaks Day? I'm kind of in the same place that you are. I'm hearing that she might be supplemented, but we'll see. I haven't heard anything super concrete one way or the other. And, you know, we'll we'll see. She's interesting in that the Oaks is going to be tough. She hasn't faced quite the caliber of foes that she's going to face in the Oaks. So it is a tough test, but on her best, maybe we'll see. It's just so hard to tell with her because she is at her core, not all that tested. She had those impressive wins in California with the maiden win first time stretching out to a mile, which is honestly something that I like first time stretching to two turns running off the screen. And then she romped at two to five in the La Tirenes for Bob Baffert. I do have some concerns after the Santa Anita Oaks though, just did because you, did you come up with she an was, excuse for that run? Yeah. I mean, she's, she's three to five there. She's supposed to win. She's supposed to put on a show and, and go to Louisville. And we're supposed to be asking all those questions. How's she going to do facing a field with more rivals than in her last three starts combined. But uh, desert Dawn kind of turned the script on its head there. And not just more rivals. You know, she didn't have an easy time up front in the Santa Anita Oaks, but as she showed in the Las Virgenes, she doesn't have to make the top as long as she's close. But the thing is, is, yeah, she needs to be at least close to the lead, and she couldn't hold off Desert Dawn in the Santa Anita Oaks. So then going to the Kentucky Oaks, there's better speed that she's going to have to face up front. Echo Zulu is speed. Yugiri is speed. Um, Venti Valentine's not going to be far away. If Ain't Easy turns up, she'll be close. Turner Loose may even be up close. And then the horse is coming from behind her. She's got real good one in Nest, who's going to be just behind her. And she's got more real good ones in Secret Oath and Kathleen O coming from further back. So she's not exactly class tested. I'm not super encouraged by the fact that she couldn't dispatch with the long shot Desert Dawn in the Santa Anita Oaks. You've really got to watch the price on her. I mean, looking just looking at the preliminary Kentucky Oaks PPs and you know comparing speed figures, it's not like she's it's not like she's out of it. You look at those numbers and she's not too slow, if you will, but she put those numbers up against less difficult company than Echo Zulu, Yugiri, Nest, Secret Oath, Kathleen O. And when she didn't have an easy time of it in the San Anita Oaks, Desert Dawn got her. If you wanted to be an optimist, you could point, I suppose, to how well she bounced back from the odds-on defeat 
in the in in the maiden race and then getting more ground to work with and and, and showing up big but i have to say the current international prices i'm seeing around 12 to 1 and that's an action bet that's not even non-runner no bet and i wouldn't touch that with a 10-foot pole she's probably even money to even go in the race and then from there you point out many of the obstacles uh that she's going to face the same time as you point out you look at the figures it's hard to dismiss her chance where is your eye drawn in this race or, or have you not gotten that far yet I haven't gotten that far yet. Preliminarily, I mean, I, I really never land on Oaks horses until the draw. I, I'm generally with that with the Derby as well. I like to see the field come together. I think the horse I'm most interested in early is perhaps Nest, just because I like that. I like her running style. She's not right on pace like several of these horses are, but she doesn't have to drop that far off either. I think she can get a good stalking to tracking sort of trip. But again, it depends on the draw. It depends on who actually goes. I've been extremely impressed with Secret Oath as well. She's in the mix. I've been extremely impressed with Kathleen O, although of course she's got the question of, Gulfstream types aren't usually amazing in Kentucky. So, but at, at this point, Nest is preliminarily the top of my Oaks list, but I never land on somebody for sure in this race until, uh, until the field settles and there's the draw. Cause there are questions like, will, will Adair Manor go? Where will everyone draw? What will the pace scenario look like? And I am really such a, pace handicapper that does sit at the crux of how I like to handicap horse races that it's really hard to draw that up with any certainty until you have a field. Of course. And we will have tons more content as we get closer. We're doing our Oaks final answers show. Um, we should plug your Twitter as well. Cause I imagine you'll be giving uh, Derby and Oaks uh, final answers of your own on there at rogue clown. But Rowan, thank you so much for taking time out to chat with us today. And we'll get together on something else real soon. Thank you very much for having me. Well, Gabby, it sounds like you've had an interesting morning. Maybe tonight uh, will be a cocktail moment for you. Oh, I hope so. Maybe a couple of cocktails. Yeah, it's been quite a day. As you can see, I'm in my car, joining me from my car. Not ideal, but we're here. <laughs> That's all right, though. You're, at least you're going to be at Keeneland today. So there's only there's only so much complaining one can do when they get to spend the day every day at Keeneland. How's that been? It's been amazing. Honestly, it, it is a grind. You know, it's uh, it's a long couple of weeks, but the racing has been excellent. And uh, yeah, it's been a blast. So far, the weather's been kind of good. Um, it's been we've experienced all four seasons, I think, though. Yeah, I, I was there one day and I, I experienced all four seasons in one day. It was literally snowing, raining, beautiful out all at one time. It was very bizarre in like a three hour span. So um, I, I know what you're talking about. But in your time at Keeneland, you have had the opportunity to see one of the Kentucky Oaks contenders and cocktail moments. And, and I'll just start with the, with the easy question or the tough question. Can she, is there a reason why you think she can make up the eight lengths on Nest from the Ashland? I don't know. Honestly, Jonathan, watching her last race, I thought she was really good, but, um, and she was wide throughout, you know, you could make maybe that case for her, but so too was the winner. Nest pressed about four or five wide the entire way and still drew off to win by multiple lengths. And even when you go back to her race in the, um, in the Devona Dale, 
she made a very similar move as Kathleen O and Kathleen O just accelerated away from her. To me, she kind of seems like a Will Secret from last year, who was just kind of second and third best to some of the top fillies um, last year. And she she hit the board um, and the Oaks. That's kind of my vibe with cocktail moments. Yeah, I kind of feel the same way. It, it's it's it, You can make the argument with, with some horses that they have an opportunity to improve, but there's two top-notch fillies in here that have kind of – you know, put her away in an easier fashion. So it's hard to sometimes make the case that they do want, that they are going to improve. The other question we always get this time of year when it comes to Derby and Oaks is the distance. Um, do you think that added 16th will be a, a plus or a minus for her? Or do you think it's just kind of a, you know, it is what it is, not a big enough difference for her? I don't know. I'm undecided because her first race was so impressive and it was at one turn. She kind of had that slingshot move from off the pace. Looking at her route races, it doesn't look like the distance should be a problem, but she is out of a mare that did her best going one turn. So I'm kind of back and forth, you know, when, when horses that are closers do so well at one turn distances, we both know that it takes a little bit of uh, their kick away from them. I don't think, I think she'll be just fine at the distance. I mean, it's, it's not too much farther than what she's been going, but we may find later down the road, she might be a better filly at one turn distances. Um, You know, with her, a lot of the time I like to think, okay, well maybe she can turn the tables on horses like Nest or Kathleen O um, with speed, but her running style is not, she, she will be closing from off the pace or at least sitting mid pack. Sometimes you can make a case um, that she could get the right trip, but, Nest and Kathleen, oh, I mean, they, I think they have kind of, especially Nest has a better running style than she does, at least for the Oaks. So the tough question, is she a, is she a win candidate? Is she a used defensively, an underneath or a toss? Definitely not a toss. I would not toss this Philly. I think she's a use underneath 100%. Like I said, she reminds me a lot of Dallas Stewart's Will Secret last year, who wound up finishing third I think people kind of overlooked her um just because they didn't think that she was good enough to kind of turn the tables but this Philly's definitely good enough to hit the board uh I would say as a win prospect unlikely not impossible well I'm, I'm sure you have a great parking spot but um <laughs> hope you have an umbrella <laughs> I do and a raincoat <laughs> okay good have fun today we'll see you soon all right thanks Jonathan for the next segment, we bring in a, a regular, a ringer, you might call him. You know him from the In the Money Media Network and the work he does on the Late Week shows, his own eponymous podcast. You know him from the work he does on NBC TV's Matt Bernier. Matt, how are things? It's happening, Pete. We're getting closer and closer to uh, the first Friday in May. And I think this is a, an interesting Philly that we're going to talk about. Yeah, nostalgic. This is a stakes winner bit under the radar, very strong in the point standings. I think sixth in the point standings. I have to say my first thought in looking at her, and you tell me if you agree, that in a normal Oaks year would have a chance to be considered among the leading contenders. And it's only the fact that we have sort of this four-headed monster at the top of the market that I feel like nobody's really talking about nostalgic. What do you think of her? Yeah, she may have just been born in the wrong year, you know, to your point. It's, it's one of those years, and people have said it, and I tend to agree with it, that this could be – an historic Kentucky Oaks uh, from a talent standpoint. And you're right. I mean, you look at what she's done so far, especially the long distance races on dirt. I mean, it, she feels like a true mile and an eighth mile and a quarter kind of Philly down the road. And uh, the way that she won at Aqueduct most recently, I thought was really impressive. And 
you know, I think she makes a lot of sense as far as a race like the Kentucky Oaks is concerned. But to your point, it's one thing to beat one or two. It's another thing to beat three, four, even five or six, depending on how deep you want to go. And the other main issue when I look over Nostalgic's form, it just in terms of the classic figures and form angles, you look down at the PPs, you can see how, you know, not close to Nest she was able to get as a two-year-old. And you look at the figures, and, and I'll probably say this uh, several times on this Kentucky Oaks Monster Pod, she's just got to get faster. But I do think, unlike much of her competition, I can at least conjure reasons why Nostalgic might get a little bit faster. Yeah, and like you say, she does need to improve. There's really no denying that. But I suppose you can say that really about many of the Phillies in the race if we're using Kathleen O kind of as the barometer because I I would be curious. I'd have to go back and take a look. But I I think Kathleen O may be among the fastest three-year-old Phillies that we've seen entering the Oaks in quite some time, maybe going back to Dreaming of Julia or or, you know some of those types. Uh, But to that point, Nostalgic certainly needs to take a step forward. I think the thing that could be the great equalizer for her Maybe you're not totally sold on some of the other Phillies and their capabilities to run their best at nine furlongs. Um, I have no doubt about that. If anything, I actually think she may want to go longer than that. So um, if the first Friday in May isn't her day, who knows? Maybe a race like the Alabama at Saratoga over the summer is one where she'll be able to strut her stuff. Because, again, I think the distance is only going to be her friend. And I think we'll actually get her best version as we get longer, not compared to some of the other Phillies, I should say, that perhaps – they want to do their best at a mile or a mile on a 16th. Medallia Doro on top, tap it in there on the bottom. This is definitely a run all day. If there were a future market for the Alabama and you could get a very big price, I kind of like that idea. And I agree. One of the two reasons I feel like she might be able to, to do better than what she's shown so far is the potential real affinity for the distance. The other is an angle we've been talking about for seven years, Matt, on various podcasts. Um, you know, when you get to certain trainers targeting certain races uh, and, and brought to a, to, a, to a fever pitch on the day, that could be Bill Mott and nostalgic on Kentucky Oaks Day. I, she's not fast enough, but I still, something is, I'm just really hesitating in pitching. And I think something else too, and maybe I'm, I'm overestimating it a little bit. When you go back and take a look at the gazelle and the way the race was run, I feel like she had an opportunity to, really make that final margin greater than it actually was. I think she had to wait a considerable amount of time down while she was pocketed basically from the moment the gates broke. And Jose did a great job keeping her down there, getting her to relax and wait and wait and wait. But I think there's a scenario in which if that hole opens up even earlier and she does go, maybe that margin of victory is one and a quarter. Maybe it ends up being closer to two, two and a quarter. Maybe the fig is ticked up a, a little bit. Maybe you get up into the 90 buyer range. And if that's the case, she's really not that far behind some of the other ones. Again, you have Kathleen O, and then you've got everyone else from a numbers standpoint for the most part. Um, Nest, I believe, earned a 92 buyer. Echo Zulu's got an 88 coming into this. Nostalgic has an 86. It's not like she's way out in left field from a numbers standpoint. And I do love that she has never taken a backward step on dirt. She has run four times on dirt. Each time she has improved her buyer speed figure. Draw a line through that sweetest chant when they ran around grass down at Gulfstream. I mean, again, you know, it's unfortunate for her. And and don't get me wrong. She could win the race. Absolutely. Um, It just seems unfortunate for her and many of these other girls that they just happen to be born this year. (laughs) You posted on Twitter your early line for the Kentucky Oaks. You did did have Kathleen O as your most likely winner with Nest right in behind. From a wagering point of view in terms of what you expect to happen 
with the market. Uh, I mean, I'm not going to hold your feet to the fire for a selection selection, but who do you imagine keying around in your actual wagers on the day? Yeah, I mean, I'll give you a selection, assuming all goes well and and she trains well going into it. I would go with Nest. Uh, I've been a fan of Nest from day one, and she she finally did what I needed her to do. Visually, she looked fantastic. I said it on my show. It's one thing to give horses a chance that are a little bit slow but look good when they're 15 to 1. It's another thing to do it when they're a little bit slow and they look good and they're 8 to 5. And that's what Nest really had been throughout her career. So she wasn't a really appetizing betting prospect, you know, on a day-to-day basis. Now she's finally run reasonably fast, that 92. And I think she's looked as good as she's ever looked winning that Ashland. I, I You know, it, am I going to get five to one day of? I, I guess it depends on what folks do with Echo Zulu. Honestly, I think she may be kind of the key to the entire race from a gambling standpoint because it, purely on numbers, she's not fast enough as a three-year-old. Now, if it was nothing more than a stepping stone, she needed to shake the rust off, and we're going to get back to that two-year-old form that she sported, she's the most likely winner of the race. But, I, you know, if if the public – I mean, does she go off at two-to-one? If she does, I have to think Kathleen O is somewhere in that sort of three-to-one range. Just purely on math at that point, I would think I'm getting close to nine-to-two, five-to-one on Nest, and that's not even factoring in a horse like Secret Oath, who you know is going to take some money as well. Um my pick right now would be Nest, and hopefully I can get something close to that five to one. I guess it just depends on you know how many people kind of flock over to, to her direction. It's an interesting one, and I like the scenario you're describing where maybe a lot of enthusiasm on Echo Zulu makes the market for the rest of them. But I'll tell you this, you have 10 to one on Nostalgic on your line. I'm pretty sure you're going to see that. So you'd probably be factoring her in some wagers as well. More is an underneath, or you know, if, if you're getting 16 on one that you have a 10 in your line, are you going to find a way to get in on top there as well? She would probably be the kind of horse that, if I'm playing it as far as you know, exact as and tries are concerned, I would be more interested underneath. I think she could be an interesting sort of B or a C if you're playing multis day of, because again, I don't think she's totally you know, without a chance in this race. She's going to offer significantly more value, I think, in the picks than she even will from a win standpoint, just because so many people are going to funnel in to the Kathleenos, the Echo Zulus, the Nests of the world. So maybe she goes off at, let's say, 15 to 1 day of. I bet in the pick she probably plays closer to 20. And I, that's probably how I would approach her uh, from a gambling standpoint. I think realistically she's probably a, a sort of underneath type. But if you're playing a multi-day of, I, I, I certainly would consider using her, uh, even if it is for just sort of a small saver play. Last question as we're running out of time. What type of trip do you expect Nostalgic to get? How far back do you think she's going to be? Well, that so that to me is actually kind of the, the interesting thing that I'll be very curious to see when we get full PPs of this entire field. I'm trying to draw it up in my head. You know Echo Zulu is going to go. You would assume Ugiri is going to be real, relatively close based on that run at, at uh, Oaklawn most recently. Uh, I don't expect Venti Valentine to be out there pushing the pace early on. Hidden Connection's not slow by any means. She's probably going to be relatively close. And turn her loose. I think they have to really turn her loose. So all of a sudden, you've got three or four Phillies that could be going. I think based on the way she's run in the past, I would expect Nostalgic to be sort of two, three, four lengths off of it. Uh, Maybe in that same sort of flight as a nest where, you know, we're not up there pushing the pace. We're not coming from last, though. Um, I think they're going to get the jump on Kathleen O., and that's the thing that's interesting also from a gambling standpoint, as much as I like Kathleen O, and a lot of it has to do with her being as lightly raced as she is, as young as she is, specifically for Shug McGahee. 
again, Suge is not going to bring her along if he doesn't think she's ready to fire. I, there is still something to be said about the fact that she is not the fastest gate horse, that she is not the best out of the gate, and she's going to be spotting lengths to really talented fillies. So if she is to win this race, she needs to be exceptional. I think she could be. But to that point, Nostalgic and Nest, I could see them sort of in that three, four lengths off the early lead kind of situation. And again, it just depends how much pressure a horse like Echo Zulu takes early on and if she can bounce back to that two-year-old form. If for whatever reason she does, even with the other pace, I mean, the other girls are going to need to have their their running shoes on if they're going to run her down. I think it's just such a fantastic race. Can't wait, Matt. Thank you so much. We will be seeing you elsewhere on the network. Check him out also on Twitter at Bernier underscore Matt. Marshall, what's going on? Not much. Excited to talk about the Kentucky Oaks. Uh, it seems like we're doing this early, but uh, uh, what? We're we're three weeks away, four, two weeks away. Oh, we're closing in on it. So excited about the excited about it. Yeah, you know, it's funny you say that. We when we started doing this, we realized that like when it comes to Derby and Oaks, the normal racing calendar doesn't really exist. Everyone's excited on Wednesdays for big races on Saturdays. When it comes to Derby and Oaks, people get ready the Wednesday before. Um, is when it really kind of starts to pick up. So we, we, we try to get it out as soon as we can, and, and people seem to to be happy about that. But when we were looking through the list of, of horses and wanting to, you know, get people to talk about certain horses, uh, we always feel like when we when we have you on to get you to talk a little bit about Oaklawn, just because I know how much you pay attention to Oaklawn, how important of a meet it is for you as an owner, uh, but also as a better. And so we felt like it would be important to, to kind of get your take on on uh, a three-year-old filly that won uh, a big race at, at Oaklawn, and that would be uh, Yagiri. Yeah. Um, again, Oaklawn is, is, is a meet I get excited for, one that I handicap every day, uh, and, and kind of the, the focus of my year is Oaklawn and Saratoga. And, you know, I, this, this filly, I mean, she won the fantasy, uh, which is Oaklawn's major prep. Uh, you know, there, there's some things that can, you know, you, you can imagine a scenario where she could hit the board, um, uh, but ultimately, she's probably just not the class of these fillies. Uh, you know, first off, I'm not even sure what her name is. Uh, Travis Stone went with Ugiri. Uh, uh, Vic Stoffer went with Ugiri. I tried to do some research on her. Uh, she's from some sort of zombie land uh, anime in Japan, and I couldn't find the pronunciation. Anyway, I watched a lot of J- I watched a lot of anime last night trying <laughs> to figure out her name. Uh, it's probably as much as uh, as much as I watched the replays. Look. Um, you know, ultimately, she's got it improved figure-wise. She is a filly that her two races that she got loose on the lead, she was very tough in. The the uh, very game in the goldenrod, very game in the fantasy, didn't want to let horses buy her. And uh, that was quite a bit different from the horses where she was uh, stalking. So I think that, that, that she will be the pacer in the race. I think the strategy for her needs to be send and hope that Echo Zulu, Echo Zulu and the others let her go, right? So maybe there's a scenario where she's a longer priced horse that everyone's going to ignore and they let her go and she gallops out there in front at 30 to one and that uh, when they try to pass her, she's extremely tough and she holds on for second or third. Um, you know, if she's out there, doesn't get loose and is out there dueling with Echo Zulu, maybe she damages Echo Zulu's shot, but then she she finishes off the board. But uh the the Oaklawn preps were weak. She was destroyed by Secret Oath uh, when Secret Oath ran the Honeybee, and then in the Fantasy, the Fantasy was a weak prep. I mean, that's just what it comes right down to it because uh, Secret Oath is running in the Arkansas Derby. Um, you know, it's it wasn't bad on the clock, and uh, if you compare it to the Arkansas Derby, 
on a raw time, it was three points faster, but then they projected up the Arkansas Derby to a 92. So, uh, um, so, you know, the fantasy number of 86 is, is, is a strong number and it's consistent with what the racing was that day. They projected up the Arkansas Derby, even though the Arkansas Derby was slower on the clock. So I, you know, I wouldn't say, I would say this is faster than the Arkansas Derby, but I wouldn't say that this is above a 92. Um, I'd have yeah, more. And I, and I think to your point, Marshall, she kind of, she kind of, and, and you, when you said this, it kind of made me think about it. She kind of reminds me a little bit of Serengeti Empress, right? Well, Serengeti Empress was the type of horse that she probably seemed like she was probably a cut below. I think the only difference would be a Serengeti Empress had some brilliant looking numbers in her past as a two-year-old, but she is the type of horse that if she gets loose and one of the big horses doesn't fire and one of the other big horses gets a bad trip, then she's the type of horse that could get out there on the front end, get brave and pick up pieces on paper. I agree. She doesn't look like the type of horse that can beat a Kathleen O or secret oath um, or echo Zulu, but you know, these things happen in these three-year-old races where they're progressing still. Yeah, I I think that's right. And, And again, you know, it's hard to judge, how much she might move up. I mean, we look at a horse like Kathleen O and Kathleen O wasn't running big numbers. It was impressive visually, but wasn't running big numbers until, um, uh, until her last start when she really jumped forward. So, you know, you take this horse and, and you imagine another move forward. And, and that's possible given that, you know, she had a, you know, a decent number in the golden rod last year race that hasn't come back that good. Then you can maybe see another forward move. I really do think it's a scenario where she needs to get loose. She just seems like a different horse when she's loose. Uh, if you go back and compare, you look at her rags to riches um, last year, she was stalking uh, sandstone and looked like she might go by. And then, um, and they basically quit what sandstone kicked into another gear. But uh, when she's gotten on the lead and been free galloping. So, you know, I, I think that, again, her contribution to the pace scenario makes this really interesting. And, and I hope that they recognize that her only shot is to go. And so, you know, if I use her at all, I won't use her on top, um, but she's one at the right number to key underneath, um, uh, you know, given the potential, given the potential pace scenario for the race. I do think she's the fastest. Um, I don't know. You know, I, I don't know. Again, it really sort of depends on, on the extent that they just really want to go with echo Zulu. Um, and, uh, um, and have her take the lead. I don't know. Yeah, and one thing I will add when when you said to when you said I hope they know their best chances to go to the front. What I will say about that is that, and you don't get it very often with Rudolph Brissett, uh, with Rudy Rodriguez, uh, and a couple of others. And no pun intended with those two, Rudy and Rudy. Um, they are they ride their horses in the morning. So I feel like more than 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 getting it relayed from an exercise r- a rider. You know, they, they know what they're on top of. They know uh, what they have underneath them. They understand where I think to a certain extent a horse's kind of style, their best style lie because they understand it. They, they, they can feel it in their hands. And I, and I think Rudy will put this horse into the race and understand he's, you know, she's not going to sit off of, of Echo Zulu and run by her late. At least it doesn't appear to be the case. Mm-hmm. And the, the, look, the pace numbers that, that I have and the time form numbers, they're, they're they're, they're pretty strong. I mean, they, they're, they indicate that she should be the fastest. I haven't seen a pace projector, but uh, um, you know, from my numbers that I do for Oakland, I mean, these are, these are fast early fractions that she set. And so I, I would, you know, I, I believe she's the fastest on paper. And uh, again, their shot is to go. Are you back to throwing a Memphis Derby party or are you going 
to the Derby? Well, it really depends on uh, Lady Rocket. We uh, Lady Rocket uh, may run in the Humana Distaff, may run in the Ruffian. Uh, if she runs in the uh, the distaff, then uh, then I then I will have to. I, you can't not go to the Derby when you have a horse on the undercard uh, in a Grade One race. And so, um, if that's the case, then uh, then I will be Derby bound. If not, uh, I will probably do something. Uh, I, I, I again, I have uh, uh, eighty students in my uh, horse racing uh, class, the economics of weight racetrack waging markets, and I've got a little money to spend on them. So we may be having a a, a student Derby party this year to uh, to watch the big race. That would be awesome. We wish you the best of luck and hope Lady Rocket does get into the big race or runs in the big race, and uh, and, and hopefully we'll see you in Kentucky. All right. Great. Thanks, Jonathan. See you, Marshall. Next up, very happy to have back on the show a man you might remember the first time you heard him on these airwaves. Pretty sure it was talking about the fact that he had played all the fours in the <laughs> NHC contest and won his way to the big dance. He's uh, He's come a long way since then. You've seen him on your simulcast feed doing a fantastic job covering the fairgrounds meet this winter and that's why when i was looking for someone to talk about the brad cox runner turner loose i immediately thought of kevin kilroy kevin how are things pete i'm doing great yeah those fours they brought us together initially you know that's our that's our bond right there so uh <laughs> yeah, thanks for breaking that story initially and thanks for uh, keeping keeping tabs on me throughout these years Oh, it's been fun, and it's been fun seeing your success. Let's dive right in to this filly who's going to be competing in the Oaks. Claim to fame, that big run in the Rachel Alexandra, and then last time, uh, not as good in the Fairgrounds Oaks. Give me an assessment of her form overall. Yeah, I mean, she was definitely an interesting two-year-old, right? She ran great on the turf, four turf races, uh, ran a, won a great stakes at Kentucky Downs, really pulled away from the field. The field was a little bit suspect, and you know, not, nobody knows who's going to like Kentucky Downs. Looked great breaking the maiden at Ellis Park. Um, I know Brad has said that she's a she's a lighter frame filly, and so that's why they went with the turf initially. Um, but then um, in the fall, they were working on the dirt, and, and works were going well, and we saw what happened in the Breeders' Cup. You know, she really just didn't show up. I know Brad said that uh, she didn't take flow anywhere, really uh, wasn't uh, working with the bridle. So uh, I think she had some excuses that day. But she came back. She tried the dirt for the first time in the Rachel, and boom. Um, a whole different filly, or at least we, we think, right? We didn't see much improvement from there into the, uh, you know, into the, into the fairground Oaks. So um, that's one of my questions, but it was interesting. I tell you what, so seeing her earlier races, I just watched them all back, right? She definitely is a forward horse, right? And, and knows how to, you know, even take the lead like she did in the Jessamine, um, but knows how to be involved, which I like that, right? I like the a horse that's going to be not too far back from the lead. We know that works pretty well. Um, and then we saw her really just settle nicely in the Rachel let, you know, I think Flo did a good job with that, with that run, let the, the front runners go and they're going a little bit fast and things kind of got crazy out, out on the lead there. But um, if she could settle like that, but still not be too far back, I think she could, she could show a little good, a little bit of a good run here and maybe compete with these. I think a win would be tough against these Phillies, but um, she's got the pedigree to get the distance. So I think if she can get the right tactics. That's the big question. You did mention that pedigree off air as well. Nyquist, obviously a Derby winner, AP Indy on the bottom. The distance would definitely have to move her up significantly. But I think really the thing that a lot of people may end up including her on tickets, at least underneath for is the fact that she's trained by Brad Cox. And as I said uh, in a writing, I'm trying to remember where I said it uh, recently, but you, you, you know, you, you, you fade him at your own peril, basically. And, and, and if he thinks she belongs in there, 
that's got to be considered at least a feather in her cap for vertical purposes. Yeah, 100 percent. I mean, we've seen how his three year olds have done. They've taken big steps forward. You know, Tawny Port, Cyberknife, Zozos. Um, it looked like we had a big step forward winning the Rachel, but the speed figure wasn't much more than uh, she had received before for Eternal Loose. And, you know, and again in the uh, in the Oaks there. So um, but I agree with you. I think Brad Cox with a the price there is something you want to pay attention to. Um, I know talking to Kevin Kirstein that she is working well with Zozos in the mornings. Um, they had Zozos uh, rating right off of her. And he was saying Zozos was looking like he was ready to explode past her, but they're both in hand. So we don't know what the instructions were there, but they both look good. Ran a sharp five furlongs in one and uh, one in four. So, you know, I think one step forward and still, I mean, maybe these other Phillies, They've kind of taken their step forward and we know what number they're going to get. If we get something here, it could be at a price and could be totally worth it, worth the shot on the win end. It's interesting. I'll take a contrarian view only because it does feel to me like both Echo Zulu and Hidden Connection in their second and third starts after appearing Hidden Connection, certainly for the comebacker, appeared short. Echo Zulu by some clocker reports short before the Oaks, I feel like they have to move forward again. I mean, you could argue maybe Turner loose can too in the third start. I'm just not seeing it in that progression between the first and second start. It's going to be interesting to see. I think you make a good case as one to maybe include as a long shot underneath before I let you get out of here. Who's your selection for the Oaks? Um, you know, Kathleen O seems uh, like she's got, she's got something special. So um, I like Kathleen O a lot, but I really think hidden connections got another, um, another sort of surprise to show us. I know Calhoun said so much that uh, if he just had a few more works like he had before the, uh, the Oaks there uh, going into the Rachel, that they would have been all set. And I think she's just uh, has shown that she's stepping forward, which is huge for these three-year-olds, um, that they're not just repeating their two-year-old cycle that we maybe we see with Turner loose. So um, one more step up there with Hidden Connection uh, could, be, could be fantastic. So I, I like those two a lot in the exacta. All right, there you go. Early exacta from the Oaks, from Kevin. And we also know he's going to be throwing in whoever draws the four. Next up, another face you've seen recently in various uh, in-the-money media projects as well as places like uh, Sam Houston Race Park, Simulcast Feed and Social Media. Jessica Paquette, good to speak with you today. Happy almost derby season. Happy almost Oak season. We're getting there. And what an Oaks this is. We brought you in to talk about one who would currently be the first also eligible, though the way this field is shaping up, it wouldn't surprise me if some others choose different targets and that Shotgun Hottie might be able to get into this field. If she does, do you give her much count? If she does, I hope her connections have a wonderful, fun Kentucky Oaks day, and that may be the most positive thing I can say about this filly. There's a reason you run the race. Anything can happen. To me, I think this is one of the best groups of three-year-olds we've seen in uh, several years, uh, both Colts and the girls. And this group of Phillies is just, there, there are some superstars in the mix. And I just think she's a cut below them at this point. I will say this. I thought she stuck on okay um, in the gazelle. You know, I, I felt like there, there was a moment there where I wasn't sure if, uh, if she was going to be able to to hit the board and she did that. I guess the problem is that the, the Kentucky Oaks this year, a little bit tougher of a race than the Gazelle. Yeah, that's exactly it. I, the Gazelle was a good race. I think Nostalgic will wind up being a pretty nice filly, but even she, I think, is maybe a cut below that top group of fillies. I mean, with Secret Oath and Nest and Echo Zulu and Kathleen O, like the list goes on and on and on. 
<laughs> contention runs deep as the old uh, little racing form comment goes in terms of shotgun hottie and her potential effect on the race where do you expect her to be positioned uh, do, do you think she'll get a get you know much in terms of calls you know I really, I really don't. I really, I think she'll be one of those mid-pack sort of horses. Maybe looks like she's going to make a move as they turn for home and then flatten, and then flattens out as the big girls kind of make their runs. Well, let's talk about those big girls while we have another couple of minutes with you. How do you separate the, the big names in this race? Is there one you're expecting to step up above the others? Do you have a strong opinion yet in this year's Oaks? I always can find a strong opinion. I think Kathleen O is probably the most brilliantly talented of them. She is just delivered impressively every time anyone's asked anything of her. I am many things. I am a homer. So I am rooting really hard for a hidden connection. Um, you know, she broke her maiden at Colonial Downs. I remember after that race, um, there were a couple of nice fillies that broke their maiden that day. One of whom I thought much more highly of, and Ray Lou told me I was wrong. This was the filly and he was right. She was the filly. And she's, I mean, her last race at fairgrounds, it was a real return to form for her. I think she was a little short off the bench um, coming back in that first race back. I think I really like Hidden Connection, maybe at a price where uh, a horse like Kathleen O is going to take a lot more attention. Again, some wise guys support for Hidden Connection. Not the first one on this show to make that combination, uh, make that suggestion that she's going to be ready to step up even more in the third race off the layoff. And you're not even the first one, I think, to mention the Kathleen O Hidden Connection. Exactly. That would be uh, that would be some achievement for the Oaks Monster Pot if we can give that out in, in multiple places. Great minds think alike. <laughs> I do think that's right. By all um, discussion, she was short for the first start. I suppose, yeah. though, you can make the same... Uh, claim about Echo Zulu, uh, who I expect also to run an improved race. I'm just hoping maybe the trips can make the difference and, and see Hidden Connection to good effect in this one. But I don't know. Overall, I feel like the crowd is going to go nuts enough for Echo Zulu that I'm pretty confident um, in terms of wagering purposes going in the in the Hidden Connection direction. But what is your overall thought on the two-year-old champion? I, I mean, she's done nothing wrong, right? I, you can try to find faults, say she regressed, do anything, and she's done everything right up to this point. I mean, there's a good chance uh, Steve could sweep the Oaks Derby double this year. It, like, loaded hand doesn't even begin to cover it. She has just been – she's been brilliant. It's one of those horses you kind of try to beat from a wagering standpoint, simply to try to find some more value. But if she wins, I wouldn't be shocked. No, not at all. And the kind of filly you could definitely, I mean, what, what it'd be a great story, um, especially if Asmussen, you know, goes on to, to complete the double, as it were. Do you think, you know, I know you spend a lot of time following the Asmussen runners. What is your overall thought on, on Epicenter and if he can get the job done? I, boy, I liked his run last time. It was one of the more impressive wins of the of the weekend, for sure. I am still not there with him as my derby horse. I'm not, the derby kind of is an entirely different animal this year. Uh, I mean, pace, inexperience, there are so many things to consider. I'm really excited to get kind of a deep dive into it. Uh, again, Homer, all in on Barber Road. I've maintained that this horse has a big victory in him. And we'll see if, um, well, you know, we'll see if that big victory comes in Kentucky. But I, I like, he's one that I would not leave off of any ticket anyway. He shows up every single time. My question with him is I, at this point, he's starting to look like a horse that finds himself a little trouble to me. He can never get the trip. And at, at a certain point, you know, whose fault is it, right? 
The Derby is an easy place to find trouble. Not that you wouldn't have already had many things to talk to Michelle Yu in an elevator about if you ever got stuck in one, but your your mutual love fest for, for Barbara Road can go to the top of the conversational list. <laughs> I'm in but, good company. Thank you so much for your time today. Get more from Jessica through Twitter at JM Paquette, and she'll be back on the uh, ITM Airwaves uh, very, very soon. Thank you, my friend. Well, it looks like you're at a sale trying to find the next nest. Is, am I right or wrong? Yeah, we're out here at OBS, this marathon spring sale, about 1,200 horses, day three of the sale. I'm out of what I refer to as Siberia right now. We're all the way in the back 40 of the property in the letter barns, as they say. So uh, we're, we're hitting the pavement hard here, man. Like you said, trying to find that next nest or future eclipse star i would imagine that that going to a sale weeks before you have one of the top choices for the kentucky oaks one of the biggest races in this country it just feels a little different has a little bit better uh a little bit better vibe i would imagine yeah when you're live you know going into the first weekend of may whether it's an oaks prospect or a derby prospect or actually even something good on the undercard you know the races are just so incredible both days you definitely have a little bit more pep in your step. And frankly, I don't mind sort of keeping occupied as much as possible in these weeks leading up to it. Well, let's talk about Ness, the individual. Um, I am admittedly in her Suncoast performance was visually impressive, but the speed figure wasn't quite fast enough for me. And then it was one of those, who did she beat? And then on April 8th in the Ashland, she smacked me right upside the head with another visual uh, visually impressive performance and then a speed figure to go along with it. Yeah, look, she had a really productive two-year-old season. We got the grade two under her belt in the Demoiselle, a two-turn mile and an eighth race. We always thought that she'd be best at a mile and an eighth and beyond. So to notch that and establish her residual value was huge. Backed off on her a little bit, got her down to Florida, huddled up with Todd and Mike Rapoli. And, you know, we had flirted with the idea of going to fairgrounds for a race like the Rachel Alexandra, but just thought staying a little bit closer to home, giving her a little bit of a layup or what we hoped would be a layup at Tampa to get her season started, have ample time to work backwards from the Ashland. Cause really the Ashland's the only grade one prep now for the Oaks. And with her pedigree already being a grade two winner, we really wanted to go for the gusto because these classics are so hard to win. You don't want to put your, all your eggs in one basket and to be able to see her make that progression and, and continue that upward trajectory from the race at Tampa to the Ashland and go and authoritatively handle a really good group of fillies was encouraging to say the least as we head into the first Friday of May. And you touched on it a little bit, but I think a lot of people that are in your shoes right now, which are people that, uh, you know, 15 to 16 people that are hoping to run uh, next week on, on Friday in the Kentucky Oaks, uh, I would imagine that a lot of them are, are wondering, I wonder if our horse is going to like a mile and an eighth. It doesn't feel like that's a, a concern that you have. No, the longer, the better for this filly. She gave up a ton of ground in the Demoiselle over tiring track on a mile and eighth at Aqueduct as a two-year-old. Like I said, it was just sort of a, a layup at Tampa, but she leveled off beautifully the last 16th of a mile that day. Our concern going into the Ashland, frankly, was that cutting back to the mile and a 16th with the short stretch there at Keeneland, would she be sharp enough, would she be forward enough to be in striking position turning for home to get the job done? 
And, you know, we kind of put a little bit of something in Irad's ear that it is a short stretch. This really does take a little while to unwind. And man, you know, she's just matured so much that she's naturally put herself in these races. And we wanted her in striking position, turning for home at the three-eighths pole. Didn't think she'd put the bet, the race to bed between the three-eighths pole and the quarter pole, but it was certainly good to see her do it. And, you know, we could ride her patiently at Churchill. It's such a long stretch, full mile and an eighth. There should be some speed in the lineup. You know, we, we like our spot. We just need a good 15 days here leading up to it. And she'll spend the next 15 days where? She is at Churchill. I actually haven't spoken to Todd this morning. She was supposed to breeze this morning there beneath the Twin Spires, but there was some inclement weather that was hitting. So honestly, I'm not even sure if she breezed yet. It's a little early to touch base with Todd, but she'll breeze at Churchill. Either she already did this morning or she will probably tomorrow if the track is conducive and then hopefully once more next week but she she went from keeneland to churchill last sunday and hopefully she'll have a good two and a half weeks there in louisville and feel free to dodge this one but is there any preferences on where you draw or you don't just get her in the gate and we don't care we'll figure the rest of it out yeah look you know the mile and eighth sort of separates them a little bit which is nice there's a decent run into the first turn there at churchill uh she's had the luxury of being down inside at Tampa. That was one benefit that we like to see. She did break from the two hole that day. Ira had to use her, pop outside and get into the clear going to the clubhouse turn. That was a really good experience for her. She was in between smack dab in the middle of the field in the Ashland. It was a little messy leaving there. Again, her stamina is one of her fortes. So Irad's not afraid to use her going in that first turn to get position. And, you know, look, it, I'd like to think that there's going to be no bias as far as where you want to be on the racetrack come Oaks Day. And her style is such that hopefully, regardless of where she draws, she's going to put herself in a good spot. I think there's going to be plenty of speed. Look, Echo Zulu is a fast filly, and there's going to be a couple others in there that probably will apply some pressure. So if we could just sit, you know, off the pace and stalk in a comfortable position, like you said, distance is no issue. So. I'd just like to see her get out in the clear earlier rather than later and let that big, long stride take effect. Well, look, I stop wasting time talking to me. Go find the next nest. Good luck on Friday. Thanks, man. Well, hopefully the Philly will do the talking for us. I'd much prefer that, but always appreciate you and uh, being on the show. Thanks for all you do. We'll talk soon. All right. Good luck at the windows. Next up on the show, guests we haven't had on actually since the beginning of the Gulfstream meet. That's my bad, because it's always a pleasure to have with us from First Racing, Ashley Mayu. Ashley, how are things? Things are all right. How are things for you? Things are very good. Very excited about this Oaks and Derby, particularly this loaded Oaks. Throughout the videos I've recorded, a lot of people have volunteered that the filly you're here to talk about, Kathleen O., is their selection for this race. And it's kind of easy to see why. She's been imperious in victory, um, basically in all four of her starts, and certainly goes with a big chance. But how big of a chance do you think Kathleen O is going to win this year's Kentucky Oaks? I mean, I would love to see her win. Um, you know, for me, she's probably one of two that I'm considering as my top horse. There's still some time, so I'm still always debating. But the, the big thing with her, yes, yeah, she's undefeated. She's four for four, but she's a fun Philly to watch because of how she wins. When you watch Echo Zulu, you're not shocked to see what you see from Echo Zulu has that early foot. And Kathleen O, um, she doesn't have that at all. She's the polar opposite in that sense of Echo Zulu, but she's a, 
the sort of filly that kind of keeps you waiting half the time in the, the first maybe quarter of a mile. She's not even on the, the TV screen other than the gate. And she's always far off of it. So she really doesn't do herself any favors by running like that. But it certainly has played out to uh, her advantage so far. Do you think she'll be any closer in a race like the Oaks? Or do you think she'll be lagging back once again? I mean, it's this is going to be... Um, some tough fillies to to run down if you're too far out of it. Well, yeah, this is a really loaded oak. So you kind of look at maybe the main four or five contenders, which she's certainly one of those, you know, top five, in my opinion. Um, I don't think you're going to change anything. I mean, she's going to run the way she's run every single start so far. I don't think you can put her involved early. I don't think she wants that. And I don't think at you know, kind of on those big days, you really want to change a Phillies run style um, just because it is the the Kentucky Oaks. Um, I, I think it's interesting, too. I got her PPs pulled up here when you kind of look at her races, you know, breaks her maiden at first asking on Muddy Track at Aqueduct. That's hard to do. And then comes to Gulfstream Park and those, you know, the mile races here being one turn uh, with a horse like her. Luckily, in the cash run, she had a ton of pace to run at. And she, you know, actually, if you kind of watch this still, I mean, she's standing in the gate and everyone else is kind of taking off their stride. And she really did hesitate at the start, but she got running and hit another gear. So it was exciting that last time she finally got to go two turns in the Gulfstream Park Oaks. And, um, you know, it looks like she might have kind of a, a battle in the lane with Goddess of Fire, the, the second choice in the race. But when she got by her, she kicked on. So I think the two turns helps her a lot. And uh, for her, the distance, I mean, she ran really well at a mile on the 16th. So you have to think uh, on, on Oak Station perform well, too. Yeah, it's, we've seen uh, not a ton of upstart babies on the track, but we've, we've seen enough to know that the, the nine furlongs should be within the scope of Cathleto for sure. She shapes like it. Blame on the bottom. Yeah, the pedigree suggests that the nine furlongs may be more of a more of a help than a hindrance and you would think with so much quality in the race that there will be enough pace to to set up uh to set up a late run from her and i just love the late speed that she's shown as well but it's uh it it's not going to be an easy task who do you think is the biggest threat to her on the kentucky oaks well, it, it's tough because when you start going through the list, you have Echo Zulu, uh, you have Secret Oath, who I think um, might be a little bit more tactical than Kathleen O in the sense that when you see Kathleen O is way out of it, where, you know, Secret Oath is still closing, but is um, more, you know, a couple lengths off the leaders. I think last time out, she had a brutal trip against the boys. And then a lot of people now, when I go through Twitter, I love going through Twitter. Sometimes I like going through it, but a lot of talk about Nest now, who's gotten better with each and every start. I mean, when I look at the last couple oaks, um, to me, this is this is really stacked and it's hard and you try to compare them. And um, while they're all talented and that sort of apples to apples comparison, their run styles are completely different. And, you know, you think there's enough pace, so it should help Kathleen now. But when you look at Echo Zulu, I mean, she's freakishly good and freakishly fast and she doesn't seem like she wants to stop. So um, it'll be interesting to see how it all pans out. How do you think they're going to bet this race? You have a guess at what price Kathleen O will be at the end of the day for me, you know, as ever, the price is going to influence the final decision of, of what to do. I could see a world in which she's favorite. I could see a world in which she's third choice. It's just, it's, it's a very hard race to guess prices for me. It, it is tough because you look at how she's won and how easy she's done it. And she finds that other gear, but uh, the one reservation I would have against her is, these are, she's not she's not gone against any of the other Phillies that I've really mentioned their names, right? She started late in her two-year-old year. Um, she hasn't faced, you know, the Echo Zulus of the world and the Secret Oaths and those sorts of horses. So 
she's going into deeper waters. I think last time out, she actually kind of, you know, in the final quarter of a mile, she did have to, you know, catch up to Goddess of Fire, who ended up getting the, the jump on her kind of entering the turn. Um, and, and Goddess of Fire has been a hard knocker, hasn't been able to get the win, but has been, you know, second and third in some in some quality races, um, like the Rachel Alexandra and that. So to me, the the competition kind of aspect of what she's faced, I would say she's maybe second choice is where I would put her. But it's interesting, I, you know, before we did this, we talked about Kathleen now about being the, the one that had come on to talk about. She's leading in points just because of what she's done in these races. And it's interesting to see how these trainers take these paths to get the points to make sure they're in. And um, she's got the most. Yeah, she, she she's earned it on the track, that's for sure. And she looks like she's going to be able to pass the test. But you make a good point. I think a lot of people are just accepting it as a fate accompli that she is definitely going to class up with the likes of Nest mm -hmm. and, and, and Echo Zulu. And she does have a little bit of something to prove. I, I have a feeling it's going to work out well for, her, but it's it's good to get to it's good to get a little bit more of a of a sober assessment from you, Ashley, as far as her chances go. Yeah, and you know I'm a little biased just knowing that three of her four starts have been at Gulfstream, but it's been really fun to watch her progress. That I remember um, I interviewed Javier Castellano after she won the cash run on uh, on New Year's Day. And he was already like so ecstatic about her and said the potentials there. And he had even mentioned that she really doesn't help herself out early, but um, it's almost like she chooses that way. And, and then she's able to, to run the way that she does. So I, I think she's been exciting. I think, you know, uh, from aqueduct on the mud, she's got a fast track every time at Gulfstream Park. It'll be interesting to see how she handles Churchill Downs and how the weather ends up being that day. But um, so far, so, excuse me, so far, it's really hard to knock her in any way. It's a good point about the slow breaks. I mean, the, the, the two and three starts back, it was like she was like noticeably left. I thought she got out of there okay, but it's almost like you said, just didn't really have any didn't really have any interest in the first part of the race. Um, but we'll yeah. see. We'll see how it plays out. She certainly goes with a with with a huge chance. Can't wait to see how it plays out. You have had the chance to see her physically. What kind of an impression does she make just as an athlete, as a as an individual? Is she striking? Is she just another good looking horse? How would you describe her? I think she's good looking. I don't think she's necessarily like the best animal I've ever seen. I couldn't even tell you who the best one is off the top of my head. But uh, to me, she's pretty professional when she was over here. And, and you mentioned just kind of, you know, she hesitates at the start, but makes up the ground. I think the other versatility that she's shown, at least on the racetrack, um, you know, she's had the inside post and she's had the outside post. And when you don't have speed, can kind of hinder you. And I thought yep. last time on the Gulfstream Park Oaks going two turns, she got parked a little wide um, and she ended up being able to, to get a good trip. So uh, physically, when you see her kind of come over for the races, pretty well behaved. Um, and, and she's a good looking filly uh, by all means. And on the racetrack, um, to me, she's a tremendous athlete for how she kind of uh, puts it all together. We'll see how it plays out on Kentucky Oaks Day. Ashley, hopefully we'll get a chance to see you soon. Uh, Preakness, it sounds like our paths will, will cross. Looking forward to it, and thank you for your time. Thanks so much. Great to see you. That's going to do it for this Monster Pod PTF here. Thanking everyone who appeared on these shows, especially JK, for all the work he did, and especially wanted to thank all of you, the listeners, for making these shows so much fun to do. Remember... Get involved at the chance to win a $200 bet on the Derby. Sign up for our free newsletter in themoneypodcast.com slash email and drop a comment on uh, either video, the Oaks video or the Derby video, letting us know who you think is going to win this year's Oaks and Derby. 
Quick thank you to our founding partners, 10 Strike Racing around here. You know how we always love to root for the purple and black. And, of course, the Thoroughbred Retirement Foundation. Donate generously to them. trfinc.org slash players. What else do we want to thank? We're going to thank uh, producer Craig and producer AJ. We needed them both to uh, bring these shows to you, and we appreciate them very much. This show's been a production of In The Money Media. Our business manager is Drew Codney. Our chief creative officer is Jonathan Kinchin. I'm Peter Thomas Fornital. May you win all your Kentucky Derby and Oaks photos. <laughs>